As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. The current tax code contains over 5,800 pages, 5,800 pages, 30 of which address how to pay taxes and the rest are how to reduce your taxes. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template 
should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome back to another edition of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm back with Travis Watts, who's doing a little dance if you're watching this on YouTube. Travis, how you doing today? Doing great, man. I'm dancing, you can tell. I think he's dancing because he's super excited to talk about taxes today. That's why he's dancing. So as you can tell by the title of this episode, we're going to talk about some of the takeaways that Travis got from the book, Tax-Free Wealth, as well as I'm sure other things he's learned as it relates to taxes and real estate investing, which as most people know, is one of the main reasons why people prefer to invest in real estate because of the tax benefits. So hopefully that's not taking away one of your points. But before we jump into your takeaways, uh, as always, do you want to tell us, this is going to be loosely based off a blog post you wrote. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you want to tell us why you wrote this blog post, the story behind how you came across this book, things like that? Sure. Happy to just give a real quick recap here. So the reason I'm so excited about this one, yes, I am kind of passionate about taxes. I'll get into why that is and what impact that can have on everybody's life. It's just one of those underserved niches out there. Everyone talks about real estate investing and how to make money and all this, but what about taxes? That's rarely a conversation piece. To that point, a couple of disclaimers. One, obviously Theo and I are not CPAs. We're not licensed tax professionals. What we're doing in this blog is we're recapping the book called Tax-Free Wealth, which was written by Tom Wheelwright. Tom is a licensed CPA. He is the rich dad advisor to Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He owns a couple different companies, probably more companies than I even know about, but two big ones are called Wealth, Ability, and ProVision. So basically CPA firms and consulting on taxes. So I'm not affiliated. This is not a sales pitch for any of these folks or programs or anything. It's not to sell books. I'll tell you why I wrote it. Every week I talk to investors, every week on a podcast or through investors, I'm asked, what books are you reading? What books have you read? What good business books would you recommend? What books have changed your life? Blah, blah, blah. Great questions, by the way. And this is one of them. So I know Theo, we talked last time or a couple episodes ago about the cash flow quadrant, which is a Robert Kiyosaki book. And that really wasn't about the book per se. It was about the concept of what the cash flow quadrant is. So this one's similar, but more practical Mm -hmm. takeaways, more exclusively honing in now. This is like level two of that conversation. Okay. You really want to dive into the taxes. This is where we're going to do that. So that's why I wrote it. And I got five takeaways that I want to share with everybody that I think will be useful. And that's kind of how I've laid this conversation out. You have any thoughts before we get started? Nope. Let's jump into those takeaways. All right. So first takeaway, and by the way, these are just my takeaways that I got from the book personally. I've bought this book hardback a few times and most recently audio format. It's one that you want to keep going back to Mm -hmm. and maybe supplemental to working with your own CPA just for some thoughts and abstract Mm -hmm. ideas. So takeaway number one is focus on passive income. Of course, that's going to be one of my takeaways because I'm an advocate for passive income and passive investing. But here's the deal. 
the reason that the wealthy pay little in tax, sometimes nothing in tax, is because they're not earning their money in the way that most people earn money. And what I mean by that more specifically is most of the population in the United States and worldwide is working for money, right? They're trading their time in exchange for money, which comes in the United States in the form of W-2 income, which is taxed at the highest tax brackets that there are. Mm-hmm. So you can go all the way up to, what was it, 37% or something like that right now in the current tax code if you're a high income earner who's pulling a salary or earned income as an employee. As we talked about in the cash flow quadrant, employee is taxed quite high. So you take an example like, let's say you live out in California, they have a state income tax of 13.3%. And let's say you're in the highest bracket federally, 37. So you're paying 50% of your income in taxes. So this is not what most of the rich and the wealthy do, because who wants to pay 50% away in taxes, right? And that's only just federal and state. There's local tax and there's tax on gasoline, there's property tax, there's sales tax, there's so many other taxes out there. So quite frankly, that percentage is a lot higher, but generally speaking, that's to paint the picture there. So for quick reference on the cash flow quadrant, anyone that didn't hear that episode or has no idea what I'm talking about, go back and check that out real quick. It's the ESBI, Employee, Small Business, Big Business, Investor. It's the four ways you can earn income. We want to be on the BNI side, right? We want to be in a tax-favored situation. This is not exclusively offered to the rich and the wealthy. That's the one big point I want to make is that gets spun in the media all the time that way is look at this new tax plan. Look how much these billionaires saved on taxes. Well, you don't have to be a billionaire to take advantage of the tax code. And that's what I want to get into are some practical takeaways. So to your point, Theo, real estate, as we know, has great tax advantages. Again, not a licensed CPA or tax professional. I wouldn't go as far as to say tax-free income per se, but heavily tax advantage nonetheless. Municipal bonds can be 100% tax-free, at least at the federal or the state level. So I'll get into that a little bit more in a second. And then long-term capital gains, meaning if you own real estate or stocks or assets more than 12 months, and then you sell them at a gain, that's taxed more favorably. So those living off of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and portfolio income and passive income are going to have tax-favored situations. Again, this applies to myself. I'm sure it applies to you, Theo. It applies to just any Main Street investor. You don't have to be a billionaire to be doing this stuff. And of course, we have vehicles too that Tom talks about, like the Roth IRA, which came out in, I think it was 1997, and that you're putting money in there and then it's kind of a tax deferral. And then when you pull it out later, it's tax-free, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, I mentioned California being a high-tax state. You could move to a tax-free state. You could live in Texas. You could live in Florida and have no state income tax. So this book that he wrote is all the different ways for mainly business owners, real estate investors, entrepreneurs to find ways, options, strategies to reduce your taxable income. That's the whole point, right? And most CPAs, and I'm speaking mainly from my own experience, but it's just true with everybody else I speak to, they just don't have a lot of emphasis on the proactive side of doing your taxes. Most CPAs are just the type that's send me your tax forms at the end of the year, I'll compile them and tell you what you owe. But where's the proactive approach? What about setting up your small businesses, setting up your home offices, 
Should you itemize your vehicle deductions? Should you do mileage? There's a lot of proactive strategy to this. And this $20 book is a fantastic resource for helping you discover what that might be. And what I did, I read this book in 2015 originally or 2014. I took pages from the book. I sat down as when I used to go to my CPA face-to-face and I would sit down and I would show them the chapter. <laughs> I would say, see, and this is a CPA that wrote this and, and he says that blah, blah, blah. And then we would talk through it how can I do that in my tax situation, right? That was like the proactive side of it. So everybody's got a different approach to it. So that was a long-winded first takeaway. And that was the longest one, by the way. But those are just some of the high levels of why the so-called rich and wealthy pay less in tax and some vehicle strategies and types Mm -hmm. of investing that they do. They're living off their investments, basically. They're not trading their time for money which is the first chapter in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the rich don't work for money, right? That's like the whole foundational concept here. So any thoughts, Theo? Yeah, this reminds me of something. I interviewed one of Joe's friends, Holly Williams, on the podcast. Yeah. And she wrote a book. And one of the chapters in the book was the air at uh, the Twin Towers is okay or something. In this book, she was saying how, I guess when the Twin Towers had fallen, I promise this is gonna be relevant what we're talking about. Uh, the experts were saying that the air quality was fine, whereas in reality, it wasn't. She knows a lot of people that got sick that were in the area from the air. And her whole point was, is that just because someone has, just because someone has an expert next to their name, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have, not necessarily your best interest in mind, but they're going to be able to help you more than you can help yourself in a sense. And so what you're talking about here is how you have this CPA with a CPA next to their name. It's supposed to be the tax expert, but not every single CPA is going to tell you that you could take advantage of more of the tax code than you actually are, right? So that's something that you can't just necessarily rely on your CPA just to say, hey, these are all the different ways you can reduce your taxes based off of whatever you're doing right now. Instead, you need to be the person that is taking charge of that and reading books like what Travis is talking about and then going to the expert CPA and saying, hey, Mr. CPA, this book told me that I can save taxes by doing X, Y, Z. Is this possible? And then he had that conversation with them. So I guess it's a long way of saying that don't just rely on a real estate expert, whether it be a CPA or a real estate agent to essentially do all the work for you. You might be able to find one that does that and that's amazing. But make sure that you are thinking about yourself and then being proactive and going to these experts and then letting them do what they're good at, which is actually doing the taxes. But finding those loopholes or those tax shelters, reducing your taxes, tax breaks, whatever you want to call them yourself, and then bring those to the CPA. You bring up a great point. Totally agree, by the way. And real quick, short side note. So when I worked in the oil industry previously, years and years ago, I ended up doing an overseas project and I had to become a citizen overseas. And 100% of my income at that time, W-2 wise, was earned overseas. When I would come home, I wasn't earning anything through that company or elsewhere W-2 wise. Well, my CPA was telling me this, that, and the other about you paying into federal and state and whatnot. So I did those things. And I later discovered that there's actually specialty firms that specialize in overseas oil and gas workers where they know the tax code to a T. They know all of the, I hate to call this stuff loopholes because we're going to get into that in a second. It's not really loopholes. It's just what the tax code is. It's what it's written and it's actually a list of incentives. But 
Regardless, I ended up switching to that firm to get just a second opinion on my two, three years of taxes. And turns out I had severely overpaid in many different ways in many different areas. So I had to reverse those. I had to amend my taxes. It was a pain in the butt. It cost me money, but I ended up getting a lot of money back that I shouldn't have paid in in the first place. And to that point, takeaway number two is very short and to the point. And Tom says, notorious, just like Kiyosaki for making bold statements. He says, the current tax code contains over 5,800 pages, 5,800 pages, 30 of which address how to pay taxes, and the rest are how to reduce your taxes. So he describes the tax code as basically, this is a book or a list of incentives to reduce your taxes, which is quite astonishing and counterintuitive to how so many people think of taxes. But again, so many people are working for W-2 income where a lot of these aren't available if that's all you do is have a W-2 income and you do nothing else. There's very few deductions you can get from that. So let's dive into that. What exactly he's talking Mm -hmm. about. So I'm going to put all this under takeaway three. So he says entrepreneurs and investors get the breaks. Okay. So why is that? Well, so the government needs things done. We need housing in our country. We need exploration of oil and gas. We need solar energy. We need a lot of this stuff. Well, the government isn't in the business of doing it themselves or else they would just do it themselves and there wouldn't be a need for it. So how do you get people to focus on those things? How do you get people engaged to actually do that, to go drill for oil or to create solar energy or cars like Tesla and everything that we're seeing coming out? You give tax breaks tax incentives. So business owners and entrepreneurs, they create jobs. Does the government need jobs? Would they like to tax more employees? Absolutely. (laughs) Real estate investors, they create housing. Like I said, do we need housing in this country? Absolutely. More specifically, do we need affordable housing in this country? Absolutely. So you invest in affordable housing, you can invest in energy, solar, oil and gas, even things like your own house. Just home ownership is something the government incentivizes and values for Americans. So can you write off your mortgage interest or property taxes? Yes. I used to buy homes that were distressed, move into them as an owner-occupant, fix them up, live in it for two years and sell it. And there was a tax-free situation there, a tax-free gain. I don't know if I picked that up from, no, I was doing that before I read Tax-Free Wealth. But anyway, that's one thing I guess my CPA had pointed out. And of course, there's a threshold. It's 250000 I think, or something that you can qualify to not pay tax on those gains if you've lived in it for two years and all these things. Again, I'm not a tax professional, but these are strategies that I implemented for tax-free wealth in addition to everything else I was working on. Donating to charity, we get deductions for that. The government and the IRS, they're not this evil entity. (laughs) They're incentivizing good things too. Having children, adopting children. There's a $14,000 tax credit in 2020 if you adopt a child. So it's just what the government values and needs done, basically. And if you're going to focus that way and say, sure, I'm willing to help out, participate, and do what needs to be done, you will get tax breaks. That's the point of this book. And that's takeaway number three. Do you have any thoughts on that, Theo? Yeah. One thing I talk a lot about on syndication school, and this will apply to this as well, is when you're bringing on team members, you want to make sure that for each of those categories, the person or company specializes in the specific thing you're trying to do. 
So if, for example, you are a passive real estate investor, then you aren't going to want to use your general H&R Block type of CPA. You're not going to want to use a CPA that specializes in IRAs or something. You want to find a CPA that works with other passive investors. Ideally, the ones that work with other passive apartment investors. So the more specific you can be, the less you need to, as I mentioned earlier, read the 5,800 page of the tax code to figure out which ones apply to you, which ones don't apply to you, or reading a bunch of different books, which is, I guess, something you can do if you can't find a very specific CPA. I guess before I wasn't saying that if you can't rely on experts at all, you need to find the right expert that is specializing in what you're specifically trying to do. So yeah, as you mentioned, it's just, if you want to reduce your taxes, it's not like you can go to your CPA and make up something. Say, hey, I don't pay zero taxes. Let's make up something in the tax code. What's there is what's there. And as you mentioned, is available to everyone. You just need to find the right person to tell you what you need to do in order to take advantage of that. 100%. Couldn't agree more. And here's another thing to piggyback on what you just said. Not only find a CPA that specializes in what you're doing, that's great. But the way I look at that too is there could be a lot of theory to that. So if they specialize in something, but they don't do it themselves, it's a little bit weakened of a case. So I try to find a CPA that actually does themselves what I do. Why? Well, naturally, they're going to study it because of self-interest. If they're going to be a passive investor or an active investor is a better example, they're going to be studying the benefits of cost segregation and bonus depreciation. They're going to be making sure that they do everything themselves. And then in the process, they're learning, and then they're going to relay that to you. Mm -hmm. It's another thing, just like the teacher philosophy. If you've never done it yourself, then maybe not as strong of a case. But as you were speaking, I pulled up something here on nerdwallet.com, which is just the long-term capital gains tax rates for 2020. I just want to give one more practical example before I move on. So again, you don't have to be a billionaire. You don't have to be necessarily rich or wealthy or whatever you want to call it to do this stuff. So Long-term capital gains. So let's say that you own a stock portfolio. You buy index funds or something like that or real estate. So if you buy that stuff, those assets, and you hold them more than 12 months and then you sell them at a profit. So what it's saying here, 0% tax rate for up to $40,000 for an individual filer. I don't have the married couple, but it's probably double that, 80 and then it moves to a 15% bracket up to 441,000 per year. So you can see there, either that's gonna be tax-free wealth or that's gonna be 15% tax versus 40 or 50 in the other ways of earning income. So we've talked about the FIRE movement here before. This is what a lot of FIRE movement individuals are doing, financial independence retire early. Primarily, they're index fund investors. So they're stocking away money for a number of years into that. They're holding it more than 12 months. And then when they retire, quote unquote, they're selling up to, let's call it $40,000 of their portfolio to live on. Mm -hmm. And they're paying 0% in tax. So that's tax-free wealth. That's just one strategy of so many. But I just wanted to paint a more realistic yeah. picture to that. So. Takeaway number four is also very short. I'm trying to put this all in our 20, 30 minute time frame. So let's say that you save $25,000 in taxes because you found a good CPA, you ran a plan, a new strategy, you switched some things up, you took action. So Tom's big concept here is that the reason you would potentially want to pay less in tax is so that you could then take that savings and go reinvest it 
in more investments, right? So now you have 25,000 saved. You can go put 25,000 into real estate. You can go buy a single family home. You can go take part potentially in a syndication. You can go buy stocks with that. So you can compound the wealth effect and the growth in tax favorable ways and keep that snowball running. So that was just something that clicked with me. Takeaway number five, I'm just kind of running through these. Hiring a competent CPA like we discussed, he Mm -hmm. thinks of it this way, which I think is 100% accurate. It's a direct return on investment. If you pay your current CPA 500 bucks to run your taxes, and it's just like you mentioned, I don't want to even mention brand names, but just a generic place to go. And it just kind of is what it is. Well, if you paid $5,000 for a consultation or a good CPA to run a, a full tax strategy for you, and you ended up saving $10,000, look at it like an investment. That's a hundred percent return on investment that could happen in one year. Where else are you going to get that kind of ROI on a investment? You could take five grand and go put it in the stock market or real estate, maybe get, I don't know, a 10% return. That's 500 bucks, not 5,000. So it's like a 10 X multiple. If you think about it in terms of this is an investment, not a cost to me. So bottom line is look at it that way. And if you've never put any emphasis or time into a tax strategy or considered this, consider that before you consider investing that money is basically the bottom line there. And it may just be a one-time deal. You pay five or 10 grand, you understand how it works, you have a strategy, you don't have to pay that every year. Maybe you move on then and you continue that tax savings and it compounds. So I'm kind of wrapping up here. Robert Kiyosaki's got a great quote. He says, taxes are most people's single largest expense. And I was thinking about that when I used to work in the oil industry, when I was a highly paid W-2 and looking at some of those pay stubs, I did pay more in taxes on a pay stub than I paid for my housing, probably my housing and my food and my transportation. It was ridiculous. So for me at that time, when that's how I earned my income solely, well, not solely, but mostly 80%, that was my biggest expense. And it is most people's biggest expense. And if you're going to go work in the corporate world and climb the corporate ladder and make more and more and more W-2 income, this will absolutely become an issue for you long-term. So the sooner you can jump on this, the better. So that's my conclusion to this. Any thoughts? Yeah. So on point number four, it reminded me of when I first got into real estate, I was trying to convince one of my friends because he is when they introduced it to me. And then he had stopped and I wanted him to get back into it so we could do it together, motivate mm-hmm. each other. And I created this Excel spreadsheet where I had 401k on the one side and then investing in real estate rentals on the other side. And I remember I did it, I nerded out. And so I, I added in that compound effect that you were talking about, realizing that with the 401k is just like money going in and that's it. Whereas with real estate, you've got money going in, but you also have money going out that then goes back in. So it's like house money in a sense. So if you're a gambler and you're reinvesting that house money, you go to the casino, yeah, you win a hundred bucks and then you, you leave, you come back with that hundred dollars and then it's all house money. And then you invest it and maybe you make 400 bucks. You're never going back to your first investment. And so I calculated that I could invest 30 grand upfront for real estate. It might've been one time or it might've been every five years. I can't exactly remember, but after 20 or 30 years, the difference between the 401k and the real estate, it was insane how different it was because of the fact that you've got that money coming out. And I, I didn't even take into account the tax part either. So yeah. adding that in there, it's even better. So that was point number four. Once you compound, when you add that up over a long period of time, after a year, it doesn't look that big. But after 20 years, it's like, whoa. 
And then your fifth point is an interesting perspective. We think about it as an investment, not a cost and kind of applying that to other things as well. Whenever you're buying something, is it going to be something that you're not going to get any money or anything out of it? Or are you putting money into it to get more money out? Or it could be experiences too, obviously, but the way you applied it to the tax accountant, it's interesting. Like right? I get a tax accountant five grand and I might get 20 grand back as opposed to me investing 500 bucks with some other you know, name brand, mm-hmm. getting no money back, 500 bucks back or something. So uh, yeah, yeah. No, this was a very solid episode. Is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap up? Just bottom line, it's worth paying a little bit of attention to dedicate a couple of weeks of your life, a month of your life, read a book like this. If not this book, then seek out a CPA that specializes in what you do. Get a second opinion on your last three years tax returns that are still amendable if need be. And mm. just figure it out. That alone is not that invasive of a process. And if you did nothing else but that, sometimes a a second CPA opinion will see things the other didn't for whatever reason. The tax code, as many of you know, listening, is not just black and white. There's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of what's considered necessary or essential for this, that, or the other. So there's just different ways to go about it, basically. And that's fully intentional, by the way. The IRS doesn't want to be so black and white. They want to give some leeway for different situations that you couldn't really comprehend or think of up front. Mm So the sooner you do this, I don't care what age you are, anybody listening, the more ROI you're going to have. Okay. If you're 20 and you figure this stuff out, you're going to have a whole working career of tax savings. And that number is going to end up being huge in the long run. If you're 80 years old today, Still probably worth looking into, but probably not a lot you can do about it. But the ROI won't be obviously nearly as high. So just get started as soon as you can. That's my advice. That's the advice I can give is self-educate on taxes. There we go. All right, Travis. Well, thanks again for joining us and giving us your wisdom on the taxes and how we can reduce our taxes by investing in real estate. So best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Theo. Thanks, everybody. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com.